Hey everybody, this is Kathleen with Conversation Ed, and today I'm bringing you a conversation with McGuire Ward. He is a high school senior who recently asked for a meeting with his superintendent to talk about testing and some of its implications in his school. And he ended up learning a very good lesson in leadership. McGuire, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to have you here. I love talking with students, and so um, I'm excited to have you here with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, you know, what you do, and um, why we're talking today. Okay, I'm the uh, senior class president at my high school. Uh, I was voted in last year. Um, a little bit about myself is uh, I uh, entered this school district uh, last year, uh, I had moved here from Utah and Colorado previously, and uh, upon coming here, um, I noticed that we had quite the opportunity when it came to changing things in the school district, so I decided to take the initiative of speaking to my students and getting a feel for what they really wanted. So when I ran my election, I ran on the principle that I was I was being... I was an honest candidate and I was going to do so much more for my students because I could have promised the typical prom, the typical homecoming, but I felt, um, you know, I was coming in here trying to do something so much more than that. So that's why I think primarily the students at my school voted for me. And what were some of those different things? Because you do hear people say, you know, I'm going to get us a better prom, I'm going to make a better venue for homecoming, we're going to get better food in the cafeteria or whatever. What was different about your campaign particularly? So my, cam my, my, my campaign, I focused a lot on uh, one thing that I ran with was focusing on our Bring Your Own Device initiative at our schools. Uh, that's where pretty much it started. Um, one thing about the mission statement at our school is that we're supposed to become inc uh, increasing participants in an ever-increasing technological world, and we were missing the technology aspect. So um, once I started developing that idea about bringing in the technology to the classrooms, I started thinking a lot more about what we see in the schools. And I realized one problem was is that during my junior year, I noticed that our computer labs and our libraries were being occupied for hours on end during the day. And I felt, how can we accomplish the technology aspect of our mission statement if the technology we have can't even be accessed during the school year? And why is it being occupied for hours on, you know, explain to the listeners, why can you not use your computer labs and libraries at the moment? The computer labs and the libraries are being occupied due to uh, state tests such as FCAT and our EOC courses for math classes and um, I guess it would be the math and the science classes. So testing has yes. basically taken away your resources. Yes, yes. Um, and one thing I noticed coming into the junior year was the friends that I had, I, I had gained at the beginning of the year, they were continuously being pulled out of classes. And as the year went on by, you realize these same students or a large majority of them were being pulled out probably eight to 10 times a year to take tests. And at one point when the FCAT season started up in the spring, uh, we had some classes you'd be forced to sit in the cafeteria for a few hours because those teachers were required to proctor tests. So students like me had classroom time taken away due to these tests. And I, if you had seen the lunchroom when I was there, was they were filled with hundreds of students. So it wasn't just 
a small group of students that was being sent out due to the test, it was a large, a large group of students. You know, I was an assistant principal at a high school, and I had a similar uh, situation. We didn't use the cafeteria. We used the auditorium because it could fit more students. And um, the same thing. Our resources were occupied by testing. And then the students who weren't testing sat for hours and hours on end for weeks at a time because of the testing season. And it was the most disheartening thing to see these kids who could be doing so much more, but we logistically, we cannot keep up with the testing. And the only, only choice we had was to basically herd them like cattle into the auditorium where they sat, you know, and watched movies all day. And it was really, as an educator, it was very, very disappointing. So I, I am familiar with that kind of uh, backdrop. I know exactly what you're talking about there. So what did you tell the students you were going to do? So with the students, I, I told them that I, was, um, I ran on changing things outside the school. So I wanted to not only give them a voice in our administration, but I also wanted to give them more time in terms of classroom. I wanted to make sure that our students' interests were being served as students. You know, we're not people that are just herded through the building all day long, sitting at a desk, being told what to do. I mean, this is education. We're here to learn. We're not here to sit around. And so what was your plan? Like, how were you going to, because I, I mean, as an assistant principal, I tried to tackle that issue um, and was shot down so many times. As a student, what was your plan? How were you going to change that situation? So my plan was to go to the administration and figure out what we could do. Um, but that didn't have any necessary leeway, so eventually... Well, what did they say to you? Like, when, like, what did you say to the administration, and then what, in turn, did they say to you? Well, when I tried to, uh, when I tried to go to the administration, I sent an email to the school board, and when I sent the email to the school board, uh, we had the superintendent come to my school and speak to me about the subject, and when I had that meeting with her, I wasn't able to ask questions or speak regarding any of the concerns that I had. So I think when it came to terms of confronting the administration, I didn't have any say whatsoever. Okay, so tell me in the email what your ideas were or what, what were the things that you said in the email to talk to, to district administration. So I wanted to talk to the district administration about seeing um, the possibility of changes in terms of the state tests. I wanted to attempt to remove as many as the tests as possible so that we can get the education back into the school. Um, what else did the email say? I mean, you had said that you, when we were talking earlier, you said that, that um, you had written an email and that there was a lot of rebuttal to the, to the points in the email. So what were the different things? You wanted to remove the state testing, but what else were you trying to do? Were you trying to fix the... I was also trying to figure out a way for students to opt out of the tests. Um, I didn't have a chance to ask that question whatsoever. So I wanted to, I wanted to see if we're going to continue the state tests, what could we do about opting out of those in the meantime until we have time to take care of the legal process of opting out of the tests. And I wasn't able to ask any of those questions. I also wanted to ask about, you know, the possibility of the district opting out. Uh, of which I wasn't able to get to any of those questions. And why were you not able to get to any of those questions? The superintendent during the entire meeting spoke for the the entire time that I was there. So I wasn't given the opportunity whatsoever to ask a question. I mean, I was able to ask one question, but I think 
once they realized that I was trying to ask questions, it just got to the point where they weren't going to let me ask anymore. And you seem like a very polite person. So there's an adult talking to you who's an administrator. So you're not going to interrupt and do what I do is like demand answers, right? So you were just sitting there patiently waiting for your turn to talk. And she basically railroaded you. She just kind of... What, what was the one question you got to ask? The one question I got to ask was uh, referring to Governor Rick Scott's uh, message towards the, earlier this year regarding the uh, regarding state tests. Uh, the beginning of his message refers to the fact that parents have to be informed of uh, the repercussions of the tests. And I got to ask uh, one question regarding his letter. Um, I asked, you know, what was the district's policy when it came to the policy that he put into his message. And that was the only question I was able to ask was just regarding his message. And what was the answer? Uh, there wasn't one. It was, they jumped to another part of my email that they decided to nitpick, just like everything else. Okay, so so give me some examples of the nitpicking. What were some of the examples? So at the beginning of the example, or at the beginning of my email, I addressed myself as the senior class president of my school. Uh, she jump-started the discussion uh, by attacking that point right there. Um, she said that generally when you are using a title such as that, you need to confront your class sponsor first and the rest of your officers first before even using that title. But I saw no reason to contact my sponsor regarding this. And when I had spoken to other students re regarding state tests since the beginning of the year and towards the end of last year, I'm getting the same responses as to how I feel. So... So you, you're a representative of the people, the people in your school, and they are saying, go out there and help us get, get free from this testing. And then, so you do, and then the, the adults, the administration says to you, you shouldn't be using the title senior class president until you talk to your people. So she basically wanted to kind of knock you down a couple notches. Yeah, that, yes, that's, that's exactly how She I wanted know. to knock you off your high horse, yes. is that what it was? Yes. And how did that make you feel? When I realized what she was going to do during the entire, the entire meeting, which was going to be nitpicking my email, uh, I ended up sitting there, you know, smiling and just nodding along as the meeting went because I realized, you know, this isn't you weren't gonna a session anywhere. for me to ask questions. This was quite simply a session where she would, she's going to pull apart my email and try to break me down. So give me some more points on your email. What else happened? So another point in the email, another point she liked to attack was... Um, I asked her, uh, towards the end of the email, I made some comments towards the fact that they created three new districts, or uh, three new departments within the school district. And what she did was she, she took that point, she then proceeded to tell me, you know, she gave me her reasons for doing that in her new organizational plan, and she talked about how they had members of departments in different places. So... Um, as she proceeded with that, it got to the point where she then tried to side with me. She told me about a book called The Four Agreements, which she said that I should read and that she was going to send me a copy of because she felt that my email didn't go along with um, her new initiative within the school district. And what was a new, addition, a new initiative within the school district? The initiative was that she was going to implement the four agreements from this book that she had read. Uh, I haven't received the copy of that book yet, so I'm not quite sure uh, what those four points were. 
But once I do, I'll be sure to read through the book and see what she's attempting. So you didn't get any answers on this on the testing situation. No, you went there with um, the idea that you were going to ask her some questions about testing, let her know how the students felt about it, and you were not able to do that. I was not able to do that. And how did that make you feel as a student? I mean, I'm sure you're used to being told to shut up by um, by adults, right? In one way or another, not mm -hmm. maybe not shut up, but yes. students' kids are constantly told, you know, just don't you don't need to say yes. anything, right? Um, and being the senior class president and wanting to represent your constituents, how did you feel during the meeting and how did you feel after the meeting? I mean, did you feel like you got anything out of it? I, I, I absolutely didn't get anything out of it. So I felt, I, I was hoping that this would be a chance for, you know, me to sit down and have answers question, or questions answered by the superintendent or at least get some honest information out of it as to what's going on. But all it turned into was a, let me get your facts straight, you know, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Now, was there anything in, in the let me get your facts straight that you thought, okay, that's fair, like maybe um, maybe there was something you said in the email and then she corrected it, maybe it was a fair assessment of maybe one of your questions? It seemed a lot of the things that she pulled out of my email was that she would personally side with me on uh, the subjects that I addressed in my email. So when she did pull things out of my email, it was, you know, she was attempting to, I guess, gain my good side because she was... Um, she was saying, like, personally, I agree with you? Is that yes, what she's saying? that's what she was saying through the whole thing. And but, but then she would say what? But I can't? Yes. And she had, uh, there was another member from the school district there as well, and she constantly referred to him, you know, asking, oh, yeah, I don't think I can actually say that, can I? You know, so during the whole meeting, it was, she'd say something personal, and then she'd be like, oh, you know, but I can't really say that. So it was, I'm not quite sure why. How do you feel about a leader who says to you, personally, I agree with you, but in my position, I can't do anything. When you're talking about a leader of a district with 87,000 students, how does that sit with you? I mean, you're in a leadership role. You're the, you're the senior class president. That's a big deal. And how does it make you feel to hear a person say, personally, I, I completely agree with you, but I can't, can't do that? Her, her reasoning when she was speaking to me about those points is after she would tell me that she personally agreed with me, she, she went on to talk about the fact that because she's a public servant and she took an oath, uh, she could be removed from her position for, say, opting in the school district out because they're required by law to follow what the state does. But I felt the entire time when she was sitting there telling me that she cares about the students when obviously these tests aren't in their interest in any way, you know, the change has to start somewhere. And even the, the legality repercussions of what's going to take place if the school district does opt out, it has to start somewhere. And you know, there has to be someone there to stand up and say, we're not going to do this. So I think for her to go off and say that I care about students and then completely ignore doing anything about it, I think that's disappointing. Tell me some of the stories, and you're talking about how testing, you know, if you care about students and you're letting testing, ha the, the amount of testing happening, and especially high-stakes testing, 
um, that it's hurting students. Can you give me some more examples? Like I know that you guys have been herded into the to the cafeteria, but what about individual students? Have you had anybody come up to you saying, "Hey, man, I can't, you know, I can't pass," or I, "I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still in remedial reading," or whatever it is? What kind of experiences have you had where people have come to you and asked you for leadership regarding this issue? I actually spoke to a student today regarding this, and he and he told me that he was getting ready to go in and start taking uh, his algebra EOC once again. And when I had known him last year as a student, he took that EOC uh, four or five times last year. And he's a senior this year, so he has to pass this, otherwise he's not going to get through. So this will be the sixth time that I know that he's taking, and I'm not sure what he's taken as a sophomore or a freshman. So I know personally him, knowing him as a friend, he's gone through multiple EOCs. I'm not sure about his FCAT, but I know his EOCs alone. He's gone through six tests now. Also, um, so is this kid like a loser or something? Is that why I he can't pass the test? He's, he's an extremely, he's very popular in our school. Um, he applies himself very well in math. I know that uh, sitting with him in my group at school, I understand that he's very, he's very good in math. So I think it's difficult to think that a student this, this good in math is still having to go through and take six tests. I think that shows just how stressful and difficult these tests can be. So he may be a bad test taker is what you're saying. Yes, that's a possibility. And does this kid go to school? I mean, because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you don't want us to test, you know, these kids can't pass the test, therefore they shouldn't graduate. Do you think that that student should be denied a diploma this year? Absolutely not. I think uh, having him as a classmate last year, he came to class and he made an effort. I mean, there were other students there that didn't show up. They showed up less than he did, and he still he did very well in the class. So I, I don't think in any way he should be denied his diploma because of this test. And the reality is he will be denied a diploma Yes. based on this test. If he yes. doesn't pass it before he graduates, I think he can take it a couple more times over the summer. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't pass it, he will be denied a standard diploma. Yes. And he will be given a certificate of completion which means, nice try, kid, but good luck to you. Yes. And we all know that it's hard enough out there without credentials, you know, let alone a high school diploma. So um, that's disappointing. So what? So you're kind of fighting this fight for him and others like him. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, and, and another thing that I have is I, I constantly visit one of the intensive reading classes. I actually had to take intensive reading when I first moved here from Utah because I hadn't taken the FCAT reading test. So I was actually forced to sit down and take the FCAT reading because they didn't have any scores prior to that. And I was put into a class that I would say was not anywhere near the standards that I should have had in a classroom. Yeah, and it, it would have been really easy for us to trust a teacher to assess you very, yes. very quickly and say... McGuire can move on now yes. to a non-intensive class. Yes. But we don't do that. We go by numbers only. And so they needed, like you said, there was no score. So they had to get a score yes. and number you and then decide where you belong. Yes. And so you were in intensive reading. That it must have been interesting. It, it was a very interesting class. And although I was, I was much higher level in that class than a lot of other students, but... I realized looking around, you know, a lot of these students were having difficulties passing the tests. And, you know, you could see in that class in general, when we started to go over the FCAT materials right before FCAT season, you know, everyone, they're already being run down even before the tests even take place. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen, I was a reading teacher. So I was an intensive reading teacher. So um, I saw what happened. And a lot of the kids, some of the kids in the class were AP and honor students. Yes. But they had a bad test day. And so they ended up in intensive reading for a year until they could retake the test again and, and pass it. Yes. And so that, you know, intensive reading or remedial reading took up an elective or took up whatever it is that they could have done different. And then I had kids in there that had been failing the test since third grade. And it was just a constant reminder of their failure. And um, it's when testing season hits, you can just tell what it's like. I mean, you see the line of students going in to get their scores in the guidance counselor's office, and you just see people leaving in tears because, again, they failed. Like that kid with the EOC, the algebra EOC, who's failed five times, going to take it a sixth time next week or whatever. And uh, what that does to a student's student's psychological development. Um, If you could talk to the superintendent again and you were given a chance to speak yes and maybe ask a couple questions what would you what would you say if I was given the opportunity I think I'd first have to ask her um, I'd first ask that she would take the initiative to inform students of ways of opting out of tests I would hope that if she does care about students she would take the time to inform parents and teachers and students of any ways that they can opt out of these tests. Um, another question I'd have to ask her would be um, if these tests do come again, you know, are you going to fight for the students or are you just going to give in to the state as well? So, yeah, are you going to do the old, I agree with you, yes. but... Yes. Yeah. I, I, that, that would probably have to be my concern going into the meeting, but if... Any other questions I'd have to ask, I'd have to ask her the one about siding with students and giving information out. So you're senior class president, and are you into politics? you want to run for, for, for uh, some sort of seat somewhere? Uh, my goal currently is uh, after I go into the maritime ministry, I plan on becoming a ship officer um, to stabilize myself financially in the future. And then after some time in that career, I do plan on coming back um, and running for a seat. Um, so sometimes, and I always tell my students this, sometimes non-examples are just as powerful as examples. And so obviously you were disappointed in this interaction with a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you do differently based on this? Because I've learned a lot from people who are in a leadership position yes. with me what not to do, right? Yes. So what are some things that you took away? Because I always believe in taking away something no matter what, even if it was the worst discussion you ever had in your life, what do you take away um, as a leader yourself and for the future? Like, what will you remember to employ as a leader once you're out there doing your thing as a maritime officer or as a congressman or or something like that? As a future leader uh, and coming out of this meeting with a superintendent, I think transparency will be my biggest goal is, you know, we see the transparency here in the state of Florida, and I don't, I don't think that's transparency whatsoever, you know, as an initiative by the state government. I want to make sure that there's true transparency. I want to make sure that I get out more often and speak with constituents to hear what they have to say, because I think they're the most important people. And I think when you have superintendents and state legislators and federal legislators 
sitting inside offices in Washington, D.C., or their offices in, let's say, Tallahassee, and not getting out to speak to their people, I think that's the biggest concern. So I think as a public servant, your number one goal should be feeling for who your constituents are. Yeah, well, she got out and she spoke to you. She just didn't listen to you, did she? She did. She actually, at the end of the meeting, she said, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to use you so that I can get out and visit students more often. Nice. So I, mean, I think saying that straight to my face, I felt sort of degraded to think that she's going to use this as... A political as thing. Yes, yeah. as an excuse to say that she got out and spoke to students. Well, I am very sorry that that happened to you, but now you have a chance. Now you have a microphone to the three people that are listening to this interview. No, I'm just kidding. There's more. There's more. There's a couple more than that listening. But um, I wanted to ask you, okay, you're the president. What would you change? So how would you start to change this thing? And it could be small changes. It could be giant changes. What would be your first steps in changing the situation for your friend who, who has to take the algebra EOC again or, or other tests or because the libraries are taken up by, by testing? What would you do to change this thing? Uh, I think the first step that I'd have to do is you know, evaluate how, how wide this issue is, is how many students are truly affected by it, and I want to get responses from students. We don't listen to students, so I think that the first thing we need to do is reach out to students and ask them, how do you feel about these tests? Um, so polling the students would have to be the first thing that I'd have to do. Um, the second thing, I would want to start looking at alternatives that aren't so, uh, aren't, that don't cost so much in terms of resources. Um, the third thing that I'd have to do is, if we do implement any tests like these, we need to have alternatives. And uh, one thing that I didn't have a chance to ask the superintendent about was the option of using portfolios as an alternative, which, to my understanding, no one's ever spoken about that. That's never even told to students about. They're not informed whatsoever about the Yeah, and it's your right. It is. You are allowed to request a portfolio. It's like the good old-fashioned way of assessing yes. a student, letting the teacher collect a body of work. Yes. And then examine the body of work. So your friend, who is having trouble passing that uh, state test, perhaps his classwork and his homework and his his um, classroom assessments by his teacher, his formative assessments, may paint a completely different picture than that one measure on that test. And you are so right. And I think the more people, the more kids that you can get out there to say you have a right to a portfolio review... You have a right to have your voice heard. I think more students um, will stand up because I think kids are used to being uh, talked down to and being used and, and being told basically sit there and listen to me while I talk to you instead yes. of given an opportunity to actually say something. And I think the more you go out, and I find this with, with students all the time, I'll put a microphone in front of them. I'm like, all right, tell me, tell me your ideas. Yes. And they're like, I don't know what you want me to say because they're so used to not being listened to. Yes. And so I think the more we get out and give kids the opportunity to speak, the more you know, forthcoming they'll be with what they want, what they feel is, is a desired change and all of that. And um, I've, been, I've been talking to students all over, and they've got some fantastic ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, great ideas. And it's yeah. interesting. We should probably ask the students since they're the ones that are occupying the, the desks. They're affected the most by education yeah. in these tests. So. Yeah. That's great. So what's in what's on the horizon besides, like, immediately? Where are you going to college? What's going on? Um, I'm actually starting the application process at uh, a handful of colleges at the moment. Uh, just to name a few would be Northern Michigan Maritime Academy, um, 
the State University of New York's Maritime Academy. Um, I'm looking at Johnson and Wales in Denver, and I'm looking at Florida State University currently. I went to Florida State. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, that's great. Well, I'm so happy that I got a chance to talk to you today. I'm glad that you finally got to get a few things off your chest. And if any time you would like to represent your students at your school or in the area, you are welcome to my microphone and my podcast anytime, McGuire. It was Thank a pleasure you. having you today. Thank you. Pleasure to talking to you. Thanks. All right, everybody, we'll wrap with that. <laughs>